Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old. Dark is mysterious. That we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. In verse 5, he established a decree in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our ancestor to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandment. And that they should not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. We thank the Lord this day for his word that was in the lectionary. This is indeed the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The stories you hear growing up, it makes a difference. The experiences that are shared with you, the stories your parents and grandparents tell, the things that they hand down to you that you never saw yet feel like you were a part of can make a great difference. My dad was a soldier, a paratrooper, a Purple Heart recipient, He didn't talk that much about it, looking at all the conversations we had over the years. He did share a few stories, miraculous escapes where he knew that even though he was not right with God, that his mother, who very much was one of those little praying mama saints back home, must have been praying for him. He shared those stories. He shared one or two stories that let me know why he didn't want to talk about it that much. But all in all, he handed down to me a fundamental respect for our soldiers, our veterans, their struggles both abroad and at home, and for why they fought and for what the flag meant to them, and having received this from him, and having seen my father's service, and having seen the flag draped over him and folded and handed to my mother, it is an almost painful thing to me when I see the flag being disrespected. Because of that connection that I had the stories that I still have. The thing is, that connection, I believe they say it's becoming more rare. It's just about a recent study. One half of one percent 
of American adults are serving on active duty at any given time. One half of one percent. I believe they said it was the lowest percentage since the, uh, the return of all of the soldiers after World War II that you have a smaller chance now than in other times of actually knowing or having a soldier in your immediate family. In fact, for people under 30 years of age, this was a five-year-old study, they said one-third or less of them have a veteran or a soldier in their immediate family. Now, this is on average because I know that there is a difference in the part of the country that we are from, and there is a difference between those who are in more urban environments and those who are out in the country. I saw an article recently, I tried to find it, couldn't get the wording just right to pull it up on a search, but this title went something like this. This is why you don't know any soldiers. And I thought, wow, that article's not written to me. How many do I know? I remember my dad. I remember uh, my step-grandfather. We have two, three, four family members if we start looking through our trees that are in the military right now. But there is a sizable percentage who just haven't had that experience. They don't have that connection. And that makes a sizable difference when it comes to understanding, when it comes to common respect and understanding of common values. That's what happens when certain important things do not get handed down. People come at the conversation from different approaches and they can't understand each other and they get angry. So it also is with our faith and its foundations. You remember the push a few years back? I remember it from, uh, I believe it was the Phil Donahue era. Parents being very proud that they were not forcing their faith upon their children. They were just going to leave all of that a blank slate and then their kids could figure it out when they grew older. Now, this is flying directly in the face of everything that I was taught, and that's reiterated here in Psalm 78. We will not hide them from our children because that's really what they were doing when they said, oh, we're not going to push that on them. Oh, you're going to hide something that's vitally important to you from your kids? We will tell the coming generation of the deeds, the glorious deeds of the Lord and of His strength and of the wonders that He has done. And now I look back about, oh, 30 years later from hearing all of these people saying we're not going to push our faith on our kids and I see the conflict in America and I think, wow, we probably messed it up a little, didn't we? Well, let me ask you this because... uh, This is one of the ways I I judge it. Um, Even in the church, okay, the stories that we've shared. We remember Noah. Yes. Okay. Ark. How about Jonah? Big fish. Sometimes we call it a whale. Okay. Moses, Ten Commandments. Samson, watch out for that haircut. We We remember those big names, right? Okay. How about this? Does anyone here remember the story of 
David and Jonathan. You know, Jonathan was Saul's son and should have been David's enemy, but he was David's biggest booster, and they were like this. And it there was tragic elements to that story. Well, do you want a larger tragedy? David's become king. Do you remember the story of his son, Absalom? Do our kids know that... Pardon me, but um, hmm, let's see how to phrase this. That a working girl named Rahab was an ancestor of Jesus. How about this story? Lori brought this one up. This is one of her favorite Bible stories about how Elisha had this servant who was like, oh, we're all going to die because here all the army surrounded them. And Elisha said, Lord, let him see. And all of a sudden the servant's eyes were open and he saw all of the armies of the Lord camped around and he saw all of these chariots of fire. If you've ever wondered where that phrase came from, there's the story. And it turns into almost this comedy where the enemy soldiers are blinded and Elisha brings them over to the uh, to the camp and says, okay, uh, well, what should we do with them? Should we kill them? Ask the king, no, they're blind. Feed them, send them back. It's almost this comedic story that gave the title to an important film of the previous generation, but how well do we know that story? We know the 23rd Psalm. How many of our kids know that the 22nd Psalm was the Psalm that Jesus cried out on the cross? That maybe that's just as much worth reading as Psalm 23. For that matter, now it's down to meddling. Have we ever really told them about our struggles in faith? Not just the happy endings, but the things we had to wrestle with God about. Because, trust me, they're going to wrestle with God. And it helps them to know that we did too. And came out with a stronger faith. See, these are like foundations of our shared faith, our mutual understanding, our stories, our common values, and a question that I think we do need to ask in this culture that has tried its very best to become more and more secular over the years, are our foundations solid? Will the children yet unborn set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments? With the little tag that goes with that, that they should not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. See, that's a large part of our task together. It is something that the church is here to equip all of us for, to support all of us in this calling But dear Lord, bless those who think that, you know, wheel in, drop the kids off, wheel out, that's good enough. We have a shared responsibility to them. The church cannot take the place of the family saying to us, it's more than just a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening thing. But now even beyond that, beyond the foundations, there must be (sighs) 
Not just the content, but the purpose. The lo- you basically need to build well. And I would say it like this. Even if we have all of the stories, all of the content memorized, if we have all of these things that we have our shared conversation and can put them together and quote all of the scripture to put a Jehovah's Witness to shame, and I hope we can, what troubles me is I also know the Pharisees had a strong biblical foundation and yet they still put Jesus to death. So we can't leave the foundation out, but there has to be something else because over the last few months, how many times have we seen violence in the news? How many different groups? All of them with maybe the exception of the guy in Las Vegas who they now think was just trying to get his name in the history books. Dear Lord, help us. But all of these others, if you look at some point in their motivation, you'll see where they thought they were so in the right that they had justification, at least they told themselves they had justification to do what they did. Just like the Pharisees. That's troubling to me. So yes, the foundations must be solid, but there has to be something something in the mortar that holds the foundations together. And I think for the Christian, that has to be the love that Christ shows all people. Even the ones who had nailed Him to the cross. So every story we share, every time we meet together, every time we pray with our children, that love has to be at the forefront, that story of Jesus' life, sacrifice, and resurrection so that all may come to Him and none should perish. I want to leave you with this question. We know that God has given us infinite grace and mercy. But there is one thing that we are each given in this world that is very, very limited, and it is time. You only have so much. I only have so much. And when I start thinking of that time and of how I am using it, and I think about the interaction of my faith with my decisions on how to spend my time, I know that hopefully our faith has made us better in that we can handle the trials of life. We turn to God, we model that for our kids, we know how to reach out to others, and we try to look beyond ourselves and our particular problems to see those that others are having and reach out to them. But there is a question that I have been asking myself, so I'm going to ask it of you, and it goes like this. Bringing it down to that limited resource of time, consider this question. What practical difference, now not just in our attitudes, not just in the way we respond to things, but in how we have scheduled and chosen to organize our days and our weeks, what practical difference has it made in my family's life that we identify as Christians if 
We just set aside for the moment all of the activities that we do in church. Just set them aside just for a moment. I'm talking about that rest of the time. What practical difference has our faith made in how we have ordered our daily lives? Should I be satisfied with that answer? Maybe you and I should have a little more time with our spouse, with our kids, sharing the stories, talking about faith, talking about the impact it has made, praying together for those who are hurting and those who are Lost, showing them by our commitment of that precious commodity what it means to us. I don't know. When I ask myself that, and I think about this time that I have had with my son and that I am having with my daughters, I, I kind of think, you know, I remember when Chris said, I didn't know that you struggled with your faith. And I realized that I had made a mistake in not sharing with him the times I had wrestled with God. Or how whenever we had not quite two immediate family members die on the same day, but close in the same three-month period. How much of a strain on our faith and all the times we asked God why and had to work our way to the receiving of comfort and that promise that we would see them again. So I just want to leave you with that question. A lot of times what the preacher is asking you are things that he or she has been asking themselves. Are we doing what we should with the time that we have been given to hand down the things that we must? Dear Lord, let our answers be open and honest with you and with ourselves. And Father, if we need to make a change, dear Lord, let it be. In your name we pray. Amen.